0: Amen. If you have a Bible, open to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. We're in a series called Gospel Power Through Human Weakness. and We've been walking through this letter of Paul each week. My name is Jody Sledge. I'm one of the pastors here. It's my joy to be preaching for us today. Today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 6. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn there. 2 Corinthians 4, 1-6. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience, In the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord with ourselves as your servants for jesus sake for god who said let light shine out of the darkness has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ let's pray together father we thank you for your word today God, we thank you that we have come into this place and God, you are speaking to us through your word here today, God. And God, we pray that you would bless us as we seek to hear from you, God. God, would you help us to see the light of the gospel, to see the glory of God today in the face of Jesus Christ? Lord, we thank you for your word, God, and pray that it would bear much fruit. God, would you help us to focus? Would you speak to us, God? Would you shape us? Would you help us to behold the glory of Jesus? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. What in the world is God doing? What in the world is God doing? Have you ever come to a place in your life where you just thought, what in the world is God doing? You know, we serve a God who is all-wise who is all-powerful, a God who knows all things, a God who controls all things, a God who is good and who does good. We, We serve a God who loves us more than we can even know. But the truth is, all of us face times when we know that these things are true, but it's hard to believe them. We can know that God is all-powerful, but at times it feels like He's powerless. We can know that He's in control, but at times it feels like He's not in control. We know that God is good, but sometimes it's really hard to believe that God is. And we can get to the point where we're asking ourselves, maybe even asking God, what in the world is God doing? Brothers and sisters, we've come to God's Word today, and God is going to answer that question for us. You know what in the world God is doing? Well, here it is. It's in our passage. God is shining the light of Jesus into all the dark places of the world. If you wonder what in the world God is up to, it's that, to shine the light of the gospel into the dark places of the world. The mission of God is to spread the knowledge of His glory in the face of Jesus through the whole world. And so that should be an encouraging truth to us today, because God is using weak people like us to do it. God uses weak people to shine the light of Christ into the dark places of the world. You see, Paul here in our passage is reflecting on his ministry as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And by earthly standards, his ministry is struggling. Paul looks past his circumstances, however. He looks past all of the trouble and all the adversity that he faces. He even looks past the people who are refusing to accept the gospel of Jesus. He looks past all of that and he sees God at work. He sees God working to bring the light of the gospel into the darkness through the power of Jesus Christ. You see, God has called all of us to be ministers of the gospel, even when it's hard, even when life doesn't make sense. God is using us to spread the light of Jesus to anyone and to everyone that we meet. So today God is calling us not to lose heart, He's calling us to trust the word, and he's calling us to proclaim Jesus. I want us to see today that no matter how crazy your life might get, God is using you to spread the light of Christ into the dark places. No matter how crazy life might might get for us as a church, he is using us to spread the light of the gospel into the dark places. So let's see what God has to say for us. Notice first, God says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. So Paul is continuing to reflect on his work as a minister of the gospel. He began back in chapter 3, verse 6, thinking about this. And Paul is confident in his work because he knows the power of gospel ministry. Last week, we heard from Pastor Lance so well why this ministry is so amazing. In verse 6 of chapter 3, Paul calls it the ministry of the new covenant. And it brings us new life. In verse 8, he calls it the ministry of the Spirit. And that ministry gives us freedom. In verse 9, it's the ministry of righteousness that can give us access to God. So Paul knows that this ministry that he's called to brings life and freedom and access and boldness to come before God. And so that's why when we get to verse 1, notice what he says. He says, therefore, therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. That word, therefore, shows that Paul is drawing a conclusion from everything that he just said. Because the ministry of the gospel is so amazing, therefore, we don't lose heart. And notice before we look to that not losing heart, that this ministry comes by the mercy of God. Paul literally says he was mercied by God into this ministry. You see, Paul was formally against the mission of God. He was a persecutor of the church. He was violently opposed to the message of Jesus. He was blind to the glory of God in the gospel. But God, but God, rich and mercy, transformed Paul. It called him into this amazing ministry. Paul knows that this ministry was a gift to him. He didn't earn it. He didn't deserve it. He didn't achieve it. It was given to him by the mercy of God. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to remind us here at the very beginning that God calls us into his ministry by his mercy. And listen, when I say ministry, I'm not just talking about pastors or people who work for a campus ministry. Every believer is called to take part in the ministry of the gospel. So think about it. People need the good news of Jesus, right? And so wherever you find people, that's where you find your ministry. The people in your home are your ministry. The people in this neighborhood around the church are your ministry. The people in this room are your ministry. The people at work, the people in your family, the people in the neighborhood that you live in. So how do you know if you're called into gospel ministry? Is there a person near you. That's how you know that you're called into gospel ministry. You're called to be the light of Christ to anyone and to everyone that you meet. But hold on, pastor. I can't do that. It might be what you're thinking. I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not smart enough to do that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not qualified. I've not done enough to be ready for that. And friends, that's the point. We're all called to ministry by what? By the mercy of God. None of us are good enough. None of us have an oppressive resume before God. You see, God doesn't use us because we are enough. He uses us because Jesus is enough. And it's purely by his mercy that he wants to use us. And really, this ministry is not even about us. It's not about you. You're pointing people to the good news of what Jesus has done, not what you have done. His perfect life, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his grace, his love, his mercy. We are ministers of the good news because of his mercy. Now look back at verse 1 again. And see that Paul is calling us there to not lose heart. Now, listen, if anybody were to lose heart, it might be the Apostle Paul. We like to celebrate the good things that Paul did and praise God that Paul used him in such amazing ways. But life for Paul was hard, it was often miserable. He was repeatedly beaten, he was repeatedly put in prison. He was repeatedly shipwrecked, literally shipwrecked. He faced sleepless nights. He faced days without food. Danger of every kind, he says. He was slandered. He was ridiculed. He was mocked. I mean, back in chapter 1 of this letter, Paul tells us at one point, he despaired life itself. Like he literally hated being alive. Life for Paul was hard, but he refused to lose heart. He refused to back down. He refused to lose hope in the Lord. And he refused to quit the ministry that God had called him. So, brothers and sisters, God is calling us to do the same today. God is calling us not to lose heart. Yes, life is hard. Yes, the work of the gospel is not easy Yes, we will face adversity. But friends, the gospel, it's too good to give up on. Listen, Jesus did not give up on us in the face of the cross. Jesus faced unimaginable suffering. And he did not lose heart. He didn't give up when he was rejected and abandoned. He didn't give up when he was condemned and cast away. He did not lose heart when he was nailed to the cross. And listen, he did not lose heart when the full wrath of God for our sin was placed upon his shoulders. His body was broken. His soul was overwhelmed. His blood was poured out. But he did not lose heart. And so friends, the gospel is too good for us to give up on. Maybe you're a parent here today and it feels like the work is too hard. Maybe you're trying to raise your children to know the Lord. Maybe you have adult children that don't know the Lord and and maybe those relationships are hard. Maybe your parenting feels like it's not worth it. Listen, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't quit. God is faithful, and He sees the work that you do. Listen, listen, we don't know how it will work out in the end, but listen, the gospel is too good to give up on. Keep pressing on. Don't lose heart. Maybe you've been trying to reconcile a relationship, and it seems like it's just not working. It could be a marriage, or a friendship, or with a family member or maybe another member of this church. Maybe it seems like it's just not working. All of the work that you're doing is not working. Listen, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't quit. God wants us to pursue one another, even when it's hard. He wants us to be at peace, even when it's hard. He wants us to give grace, even when it's hard. He wants us to love even when it's hard. So keep pressing on. Don't lose heart. And maybe you're here today and maybe you feel like all the work that you've been doing has just come crashing down upon you. Maybe you've tried to serve the Lord faithfully. You've tried to love and sacrifice. Tried to give yourself completely to the Lord. You feel like the rug has just been pulled out from under you. Listen, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't quit on the gospel. Listen, God has never promised us that life would be easy, but He promises to always be with us, even when it's hard. He promises to give us strength when we are weak. He promises to be our joy when we are sad. He promises to be to give us peace when we're overwhelmed. He promises to give us grace when we are in need. So look to Jesus today and see that all the promises of God find their yes and amen in him. Keep pressing on. Don't lose heart. Listen, there will always there will always be reasons to lose heart. But there will never be a better gospel. So brothers and sisters, the gospel is too good to give up on. So let's keep our eyes on Jesus and let's not lose heart. Notice second, this is what God is calling us to. Trust the word. Trust the word. So Paul moves on in verse two to talk about his relationship with the word of God. It's no secret that Paul's ministry was a ministry of teaching and preaching. We see in the book of Acts, him going from city to city, preaching and teaching the word of God. He talks about it over and over in his letters. His ministry is centered on the word of God. And notice what he says about it here in verse two. He says, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Paul told us three things that he refuses to do with the word. First, he renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. The NIV says secret and shameful ways. You see, there were some that saw the word of God as a means of selfish gain. Hey, I can get rich by preaching the Word of God. Or I can can get notoriety as someone who's preaching the Word of God. And earlier in chapter 2, Paul calls them peddlers of God's Word. People who shamelessly use the Word of God to make a profit or to prop themselves up. But Paul is sincere in his ministry of the Word. He genuinely wants them to receive it and to be shaped by it. Notice second, he says he refuses to practice cunning. That's being purposefully deceitful. Remember, it was the serpent in the garden who was the most crafty, the most cunning of the beasts of the field, and and he slithered into the garden and deceived Eve. There is a way to use the Word of God to deceive other people. Maybe, again, it's for selfish gain. Maybe it's just because you're just outright mean. And you hate people. Either way, Paul refuses to seek to be deceptive or to manipulate people with the Word of God. And notice, third, Paul refused to tamper with God's Word. He refused to change it, he refused to add to it, he refused to make it just a little bit easier for people to receive. You see, Paul is not a PR manager for the Word of God. He's not trying to dress it up or dumb it down. Instead, he says he's openly stating the truth of God's word. So it doesn't matter where he goes. It doesn't matter to whom he speaks. Paul is going to clearly speak the word of God to the hearts of men. His life was marked by a deep trust in the word of God. And So Christ's fellowship, is that true of us? Is our church marked by a deep trust in the Word of God? Because listen, the temptation is ever-growing for us that we should tamper with the Word of God. I mean, our culture is increasingly opposed to the truth of God's Word. And the temptation for us is to tamper with it, to change it a little bit here and there, to make it a little easier for people to receive it. The issues of gender and sexuality are waging war against God's Word. The growing idolatry and hostility around politics is waging war against God's Word. The social media on your phone and the entertainment on your TV are challenging the Word of God. And so it can be tempting for us to want to tamper with the Word of God. Maybe say something like, well, God just whispers about some things and they're really no big deal to him. Or maybe we can just kind of skip over the parts of the Bible that nobody really likes. Let's just kind of ignore them that they're in there. Maybe we could say something like, we've got to separate Jesus from the word of God. I mean, everybody loves Jesus, right? But people don't want to listen to the Bible. Nobody wants to say the Bible says anymore. But friends, we should never tamper with the word of God. All scripture, every word of it is breathed out by God. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword. The word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. The word of God is pure. The word of God is true. The Word of God is better than gold. The Word of God is sweeter than honey. The Word displays from beginning to end the glory of Jesus. The Word shapes us and transforms us. Listen, heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will not. Listen, we must never tamper with the Word of God. But instead, we must cling to it. We must Trust in it deeply. We must trust the word to do the work. We must trust the word to change hearts. Trust the word to bring repentance. Trust the word to shine the light of Christ into the dark places of the world. And so Christ Fellowship, we must be a church that trusts deeply in the word of God. Because listen, it's the word of God that gives us the gospel of God. If we lose the word, we lose the gospel. And if we lose the gospel, we lose everything. So friends, we must trust the word of God and let the gospel be the loudest thing about us. When we gather on Sundays, the gospel should ring the loudest. Listen, these sermons are not motivational speeches. We're not here to be entertained. We gather to hear from the Word of God. We're here for the Gospel of Jesus. When we gather in community groups, the Gospel should ring the loudest among us. We're not there to share opinions. We're there to help one another be shaped by the Word of God. To speak the good news of Jesus to one another again and again. Listen, when we teach our children, the Gospel should ring the loudest. When we serve in our community, the gospel should ring the loudest. When we do evangelism, when we go to the nations, the gospel should be the loudest thing about us. And Friends, we must trust the word of God and the good news of Christ. You know, the prophet Isaiah has a beautiful poem about trusting in the word of God. Listen to what he says. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. We need that kind of confidence in the word of the Lord. God's word will do the work. God's word will change lives. God's word will declare the glory of Jesus. So brothers and sisters, God's word will shine the light of Christ into the dark places in the world. So let's keep our eyes on Jesus and let's trust the word. Trust the word. So don't lose heart, trust the word, and lastly, proclaim Jesus. Proclaim Jesus. So Paul continues to discuss his ministry, and he talks about a problem. What happens when people don't receive his preaching? What happens when people hear the good news of Jesus from Paul, and they don't want it? They don't want to believe, they don't want to receive it. Well, look what he says in verse 3. He says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So, yes, there are times when Paul preached the good news of Jesus and the people did not receive it. There were times when he preached the gospel and they literally ran him out of town. There were times where he preached the gospel and they literally wanted to kill him. But listen, that's not a problem with the Word of God. He says those who are perishing can't see the light of the gospel. There is a veil on their hearts. But that doesn't stop Paul from preaching. His mission is to declare the Word of God, to preach the gospel of Jesus. Notice what he says in verse 4. He says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers... To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. You see, Paul's nose, there's not a problem with the message. There's not a problem with the delivery. He's not like looking over his notes. Maybe I ought to say something wrong. He says, no, it's a problem of the heart, it's a spiritual problem. Those who are perishing are spiritually blind. Paul says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. You say, who is he talking about? Well, he's referring to Satan. And he calls him the God of this world because he's a spiritual being with power and authority over this world. He's not saying that he's a rival to the true living God, but he's saying through our sin... And through our unbelief, Satan has power over us. And so he blinds us from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And so this is why Paul says, so we proclaim Jesus. Paul calls him there in verse 4, the image of God. You see, we are created in the image of God, but Jesus is himself the very image of God. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of the nature of God. He is the fullness of God in human form. To see Jesus is to see God. And this is why Paul's ministry focused on preaching Christ as Lord. Look at what he says in verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Paul's not going from city to city proclaiming himself. Ministers of the gospel are not saying, hey, look at us. Look at how great we are. Look at how much we've got all this figured out. No, ministers of the gospel proclaim Christ, we preach Jesus. Paul tells the Colossian church, it's him that we proclaim. He tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians that, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. Paul is a servant of Jesus sent to proclaim Jesus. And he proclaims the light of Christ so that it might shine in the darkness. You see, unbelievers are not just uninformed. There is a spiritual darkness at work in their hearts and minds. Listen, this is why no one, no one is argued into the kingdom. As much as we might think that that's going to help somebody, you cannot argue somebody into the kingdom. of. You see, you're not going to be arguing with someone and they're going to say, you know what, you're probably right. I guess I do need to become a Christian. It's not going to work. You can even show all of the evidence for why the Bible is true or why Jesus really did rise again from the grave. You can show all the evidence, but no one on their own is going to say, yeah, I see it. It's all there. I guess I do need to believe the gospel. I guess I should become a Christian. We can give our best arguments for the existence of God. We can give our best arguments for the resurrection. And I'm not saying those aren't important. They are. But we can work so hard to show people how they are wrong. But at the end of the day, Paul is saying, God's word is saying, they're blind. You can spend all day telling someone who's blind how good of an idea it is for them to see. But at the end of the day, they're blind. What the blind person needs is sight, they need new eyes. They need a miracle. And that's exactly what God does when Jesus is proclaimed. Look again at verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, listen, this is so good. What happened when you became a Christian? If you're a Christian in this room, what happened in that moment that you became a Christian? Did you just decide to follow Jesus? Got a decision to make? I guess I'll follow Jesus. Did you kind of weigh your options? Heaven, hell, I don't know which one sounds better. Did you just think, oh, Well, that sounds like a good idea. I guess I'll believe in Jesus. This verse says every Christian is a Christian because God did a miracle in our hearts. You see, in the beginning, when there was nothing but darkness, God spoke and He said, Let there be light. And by the power of His word, He did the first miracle. He brought the light of His presence and His love into the darkness of creation. And Paul is saying, in that exact same way, through the preaching of Jesus, God does a miracle in our hearts. He brings the light of His presence and His love into our dark hearts. He gives sight to the spiritually blind. He removes the veil of unbelief from us. He rescues us from the power of Satan. And he delivers us from the domain of darkness. God shines the light of Christ into our hearts and we believe. And we see for the first time the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and we see it in the face of God. Of Jesus. That's what happened to you when you first believe. That's what happens to everyone who has and everyone who will believe in Jesus. God does a miracle in your hearts to show you the knowledge of His glory in the face of Jesus. And He does it through the proclamation of Jesus. And that's why we proclaim Jesus. I wonder, have you ever seen the light of the gospel? Maybe you're here today and you're blind to the light of the gospel. Maybe you feel like you don't need Jesus. Maybe you think that you're good enough on your own. Maybe you think that just believing in Jesus seems impossible. I could never do that. Friends, we are all naturally captive to the darkness. We all love the darkness. We walk in the darkness. But in the end, we will all, apart from Christ, perish in our sins. But listen, the mercy of God is so kind that He provides a way to be set free. God can shine the light of His love and His mercy into your heart. He can do that right now where you are. If you would repent and believe, God can do a miracle in your heart that He's done in so many of our hearts. And He will show you the glory of of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So turn from your sin today, trust in the finished work of Christ and treasure Him as the light of your life. If you do that today, you can be saved. God can do that miracle in you, even right now in this moment. And so church, this is why we proclaim Jesus. The light of the glory of God shines through the proclamation of Jesus. So parents, do you want your kids to know and love God? Then proclaim Jesus. Western students, do you want your campus to experience the grace of God? Then proclaim Jesus. Do you want your lost friends and family to have the hope of heaven? Then proclaim Jesus. Do you want your neighbors on your block and your coworkers do you want them to have the gift of salvation? Then proclaim Jesus. Do you want to reach the city of Bowling Green with the love of God? Then proclaim Jesus. Do you want to see the nations come to see the mercy of God? Then proclaim Jesus. Do you want the light of the gospel, to pierce through all the dark places of this world, then proclaim Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord, and it's Him that we proclaim. You know, sometimes people say that we talk about Jesus too much at Christ Fellowship Church. So people say, you all just talk about the gospel way too much. And I don't know how you can walk away from a passage like this and say something like that. I mean, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is found where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the reason that we don't lose heart. Jesus is the reason that we can trust the Word of God. Jesus is the reason that we have come to see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Why do we talk about Jesus so much? Because look, that's where the light of the glory of God is found. Where do we want to see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God? It's not in creation. It's not even just found in heaven itself. It's not in the, the Bible by itself. It's not in some sort of abstract theology. It's not in some amazing experiences we can have. It's not through miraculous events that we might see the light of the glory Of God is found in the face of Jesus Christ. So that's why we talk about Him over and over and over. That's why we behold Him again and again and again. That's why we treasure Him more and more and more. And friends, listen, we see the face of Jesus right now by faith. Lance mentioned this last week. Where are we supposed to be looking to see Jesus? Well, right now we look by faith. We behold His face by faith. But one day we will see Him face to face. One day we will stand in the presence of Jesus and we will look at His face. We'll stand in the presence of His light and of His love. And one day we will behold Him for all of His glory. And we will behold Him forever and ever and ever. When life gets crazy, we think, what in the world is God doing? God is shining the light of the gospel in the face of Christ into the dark places of this world. So brothers and sisters, don't lose heart. Trust in His word and proclaim Him. Proclaim Him. And do it again and again and again and again. Do it until the day that we see His face. Let's pray together. (laughs) Father, you have spoken to us in your word. God, what an amazing passage that reminds us that we've been called into ministry of the gospel by your mercy, that we must trust deeply in your word, but God, what a beautiful truth that by your grace, your kindness, your mercy towards us, you have done the miracle of faith in our hearts. Lord, for those of us who are Christians, at some point we heard Jesus proclaimed, whether that was through a friend or a church or a VBS or reading the Bible, we heard the name of Christ, and you did the work in our hearts to give us faith, to give us sight, so we could see the knowledge of your glory there in the face of Christ. God, what an amazing gift. What a miracle that you've worked in our hearts. So God, we praise you for the gift. We praise you for Jesus. We praise you for his presence in our life. We praise you that he lived and died and rose again, So that we might have this hope of glory, so that we might be made alive to see Him and to know Him, to love Him and to serve Him. God, I pray for those here today who may not know you yet. God, would you do that miracle in their hearts, even today, even in this moment? God, they're not just confused, they're not just kind of making a decision. God, they're spiritually blind. So, God, would you do that miracle to give them sight? God, through the proclamation of Jesus, God, would you bring them to faith today? Help them to repent, to trust Christ, and to turn and treasure him. And God, for those of us in Christ, may we rejoice in the miracle that you've done in us, but may we never keep that to ourselves. God, someone proclaimed Jesus with us, and you did that work in us, so let us proclaim Jesus so that you can do that work again and again in others. Lord, you've spoken to us through your word, God. Would you help us to be faithful? Help us to be doers of your word. Help us to behold Christ as we seek to press on until the day that we see his face. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.